It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, May 9th, the LA Galaxy getting a 1-0 win over Austin in Texas. It was hot. It was humid. It was an ugly game. It was a pretty game. It was a 1-0 win. It was three points. They get on the plane. They've come back. Listen, overall, big scheme of things, three points. But we're going to talk about a lot of the details. There's a lot of details to sort of dig into here. Some good play, some bad play, some different things we want to look at. So we're going to do that. We have some more injury updates, and Greg Vanny talked a little bit about Jorge Villafania and his season-ending injury. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, 90s night coming up with Dallas uh, in town uh, this weekend. And then, of course, there's the U.S. Open Cup game coming up on Wednesday against Cal United Strikers. All right, to help us get through all this, he's back. He's probably better than ever, but that's probably unlikely as well. It's Mr. Kevin Panda Baxter. How's it going, Kevin? All right, how are you? Um, you know, I'm good. I'm feeling good. I mean... You know, it, it was a long week for me. I was in Texas. I was back. I was, you know, doing conference calls and media calls from the airport. That was fun uh, doing uh, doing one of those from the airport. So at least I made it. That was that was good. so Mother's Day is a big day for you, right? I mean, it, it would have been had my wife had been home. She decided she was going to take a, a staycation. And so she went and stayed in a Huntington Beach at a hotel on Friday and Saturday and, and for Sunday morning. So. Uh, it wow. was it was me and it was me and the, the youngin for for uh, the weekend, which was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. No, I heard it was a big day for you because someone told me, you know, Josh is a real mother. And yeah. I thought, <laughs> here comes Landon Donovan. No, he's I love how we can just like barely see his ear on the thing. That's great. Good stuff, Kevin. I, I guess maybe I should I should just open well, a he, full frame. There you go. Now, yeah, now he seems to he seems to take away my light when I put him in. Now, see how when Landon goes away, there's more light. I don't know what yeah, he's he's opening up the middle for you to to be able to show. That's what Landon does. He opens space uh, for others. Um, all right, cool. What did you What are you thinking about this whole thing? Galaxy now through ten games, so almost a third of the way through the season. We'll technically call it a third after the next game, right? Because it'll be eleven. That'll be thirty three, and there's thirty four games, so you can't play it. So a third of the season is is basically under their belt after this weekend. Um, y- yes, no. What, are you a believer? Are you negative Nancy over here? People were already saying no, you're going to be negative Nancy. Yeah, I, no, I know. People are calling me negative Nancy, and 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 no, I don't think I'm negative. I think I'm agnostic, if anything. And here's why: um, the 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 Galaxy are playing so many. Uh, they've scored 11 goals. Right. Only seven teams have scored fewer. They've only given up seven goals. No one has given up fewer. 
there's a lot of one to nothing games, a lot of one goal games, and just they're on that edge. And I just it, it seems as if each game is a nail biter. Um, and that you know that just doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence because I just don't feel they have it in. They don't have that ability to blow teams out, and every game is going to be close. And an injury or a bad bounce, something like that, could could really impact that. And it, this is a different Galaxy game. This is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. I know you're going to talk about Greg Vanny's quote about this is not necessarily the way they want to play, but when you think of the Galaxy, you think of Landon Donovan, David Beckham, you think of you know Ruiz, all these great scores they've had through the years. You don't think of a defensive team. Now, that's kind of misleading. The Galaxy have had some great defensive teams. You know, there was the 2011 team, gave yes. it 28 goals. Mm-hmm. The .82 goals per game, one of the top 10 performances in MLS history. They've been in the top 10, I think, three times and fewest goals allowed. But it's also the Galaxy The Galaxy franchise also is tied for the MLS single-season scoring record with 85 goals. Mm-hmm. They've led the league in goals three times. So it's a different kind of Galaxy team. It's one we haven't seen for a while, especially with them giving up 60, 55 and 65 goals a year in the last five or six years. So it's a little bit different, but you know, a win is a win. And I think that's kind of Greg Vanny's point is, is we'll take them any way we can get them. But the fact that every game is one to nothing or zero, zero, or it turns on, you know, you got to bring a guy like Dayon off the bench to score in the 86 minute to win. Um, it, it's just, it, I think they're just playing a little bit too close to the vest. Yeah, it's, well, I don't think they're playing it too close to the vest. I don't think they're capable of scoring right now. Um, certainly not with somebody who's who's connecting things. You know, Greg talked about a, a bunch of things. And, and basically, you know, on Thursday night, it was uh, Christian Miles and myself, and we were talking about what lineup would Greg Vanny play in this Austin game, right? That was a big question because everybody's like, well, Dayon needs to get time. And so, you know, Greg's definitely going to go to two forwards. And we said, calm down. He's not going to go to two forwards against Austin, not against the highest, you know, one of the best offenses in major league soccer. Right. And so it was sort of like, okay, so they're going to probably play in a pretty standard formation, which they did. And they're back in the four, two, three, one, um, very comfortable for them in, in terms, but with Efrain Alvarez in there with Douglas Costa in there and with Kevin Cabral in that three, that three was totally useless. Um, outside, by the way, of the three players, Kevin Cabral probably played better than both Alvarez and uh, and Costa, which I don't know is saying much. You said uh, somebody said this in the Discord too. They said, "Man, if you know if the Galaxy get an injury, it's it's going to be a problem, right?" And I said, "Well, you could you could have Costa, Efrain Alvarez, or Cabral injured, and nobody would know they were missing." Um, well, they do have an injury, and it is costing them Victor Vasquez. I mean, you see how the how the whole offense changes. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to say before I forget, when you're talking about the defense. Austin was leading the league in scoring going into the weekend. They're not anymore. LAFC scored twice and they took over the lead. But um, LA uh, Austin was averaging about two and a half goals a game. They only had two shots on goal mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah, so and- they're averaging two and a half goals a game against the rest of the league. They get two shots on goal against that- the Galaxy. And one thing, rewatching the game last night a- after midnight last night, it was on the replay and I was watching it. One thing that really struck me is how complicated that the galaxy are to play against and by that i mean an austin team at home with a ton of weapons very confident they continue to cycle the ball back to the goalkeeper and start again teams do that when they are confused by the defense that they see they don't know how to break it down so they cycle back to start over again to try to set up again the number of times austin did that uh it was phenomenal it's just the galaxy were giving them looks that they that they didn't anticipate and didn't know how to break down. Um, that was pretty amazing that the Galaxy were able to do. I mean, I I understand that the Galaxy might be able to do that against Chicago or Nashville. By the way, shout out to Dave Romney. He scored a goal yesterday. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but against the highest scoring team in the league to confuse them at, at to that extent where they only have two shots on goal. That was pretty amazing. I, I mean, if you want to take the 10,000 foot view here for a second, which is the LA Galaxy have played the two teams that are above them in the standings, LAFC and Austin FC, and they have uh, beaten both of them. And those two consist of the two highest powered offenses in Major League Soccer and combined they only scored one goal. Um, so that's something I, I think you also have to look and say, hey, you know, the Galaxy lost to Orlando and they tied Chicago, right? I mean, there's there's, there's levels to this as well, right? Or or even Seattle, right? Seattle right now at the beginning of the season was not a great team. The LA Galaxy lost to but them. I was just going to say they lost to the team that is the CONCACAF Champions League winner. I mean, that's pretty good. I, it, it is. It's just in it's in stages because Seattle has sort of been um, inept in, in league plays uh, leading up to that. But I do think that they put a good game against the LA Galaxy whenever they played them. So I'm not surprised that whole thing. I mean, it's just trying to come up with all these things where, where you can say it. I, I will say this, that in my general overview of the game, I think the LA Galaxy make games ugly. And I think you can find teams that are um, <laughs> that are good teams. Teams like Austin, and, and listen, I'm not sold on Austin. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I am just because the LA Galaxy beat them. I think they're good. I think they caused the LA Galaxy problems, um, but on the road, fairly inept. I, I mean, the, the Galaxy were pretty good. The, Austin was fairly inept in front of goal. Um, the, the choices they chose to make in this game, I just don't think they're ready for the next step. If they are indeed a much improved team, which I think they are, uh, that was the first loss at Q2 Stadium for for Austin this season, by the way. Um, so a bunch of little things sort of compiled to to be this thing. That was a raucous crowd. That was a crowd ready to go. It was 94 degrees. I mean, you want to talk about the ugliness of this game, the heat, the humidity, take a toll in that game. You can tell because guys were running out of absolute gas towards the end of the first half and they came back for a little bit. And then into that second half, there was a lot of running out of gas too. And that was supposed for LA and Austin. So I mean, you have to take all these things as, as sort of one combined, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now very much on the side of being worried about the LA Galaxy's offense. <laughs> and and yeah, Chicharito yeah. is their offense, or has been, hasn't scored in what four or five games. Had uh, he, if you take the the troika of designated players, uh, which would be Costa, Chicharito, and and Kevin Cabral, they they haven't had a shot. On, they've had one shot on goal combined in the last three two games. Excuse me, last two games. Chicharito hasn't scored in a while. Uh, Chicharito only has one assist, and I think that was very early in the season. Um, they're just not getting any offense from the guys that are supposed to be providing that offense. And I, I, I know he made the joke in, in jest, but Mark Delgado, who scored the only goal in this game, talked about how he said, I'm going to shoot, get out of my way, I'm going to shoot. And that was kind of meant in, in jest, like I feel really good, this is the game where I score. I also kind of read between the lines, and, and I think Mark Delgado was saying, look, if none of you other guys are going to do this, I'll do it. Just get out of my way, and I'll take care of this. Here, let's listen to, to Mark Delgado uh, asking the question. By the way, it was a pretty sparsely attended uh, media call. It was myself and uh, Alex Ruiz um, who were asking the bulk of the questions. So, um, you know, Asking all of the questions. Yeah, I was going to say asking all the questions. That is true, especially to Mark. I think Alex had to bail at the end, so it was just me and Mark talking for a little bit here. Um, but here was what Mark uh, Delgado said about the goal um, and, you know, um, where he was at. I, here, here it is. Yeah, I mean, I saw, checked my shoulder. I saw some space. Nobody was closing me down. I've, I've been saying since yesterday and today to everyone on the team, get out of my way. I'm shooting today. I don't care what anybody says. I'm shooting. So it was kind of a joke I've been saying since yesterday. I've been putting it out there. And, you know, I saw the opportunity and I, I took it. And yeah, luckily it went in and yeah, yeah, it, it was, 
Yeah, it was it was a good feeling, is what he said. Where, where was he? Was he in a well? The bottom of a well when he so, did that interview? Yeah, I mean, you know, this this particular audio I didn't pull from their camera. I pulled from the actual Zoom, so you get the echo of the of the room of wherever they were at at Q two Stadium. So, but I, I take I, I mean, yes, he said, and he made the point. I said that in jest, but I think part of that was you guys aren't going to do this. Okay, the defensive midfielder is going to come up and start scoring now. You know, he talked about hey, that. By the way, second, second of the second of the team in goals now. Yeah, he talked about that though. He said that you know he's really used to playing more of an eight for Greg. Because um, I asked him why he was so comfortable within the system, and he goes, you know, he goes, I've been drilled into the system. If you're gonna play, you better know the system. He goes, I know the system so well that a lot of times I know where players are supposed to be, so I can do a lot of blind passes because I know there's going to be somebody there. By the way, that doesn't always work, and sometimes he passes to nobody whenever that person is not in their correct spot. This is what we get a lot. Like this, it, these are the kind types of insights that you should pay attention to though because a lot of times when when you see a guy miss a pass you can say oh well that was a bad pass right it's like in a quarterback whenever he throws it throws it into this area and all that's there is this uh defender and it's an inter- interception right And you're like well that was a bad pass and it was like well what you didn't see is that you know the receiver didn't run his route or what you didn't see with mark delgado is there was supposed to be a guy who was covering that space and he wasn't there and so technically it wouldn't be his fault um i thought delgado had an okay game uh, in this this game, obviously scoring the six MLS minute. team of the week. Don't get me started. It's like this. This <laughs> did make the team of the week. Do, do you do you want me to tell you how they do team of the week? Hey, did you score a goal? Good job. You're on the team of the week. That's it. It does. It means nothing because if this was any sort of meritocracy whatsoever, Kevin, we know that Sega Koulibaly would have been named a team of the week the last two weeks in a row. The fact that he's not being named to team of the week, which by the way, as of right now. Sega Koulibaly should probably be in runner in, in in running for defender of the year in Major League Soccer. That's how good and lights out Sega Koulibaly has been on the league's best defense. Okay, so you look at this and you say something is happening here. By the way, Derek Williams also is right there along with Sega Koulibaly, but Sega in this game particularly was outstanding. But do I see Sega anywhere? Nope. Is he on the bench? Nope. He's nowhere to be found. Oh well, it's just. This is, listen, I can't watch 28 games every weekend. Neither can anybody else. So they just take the easy way out. Did you score a goal? Good job, defenders. I mean, not to take anything away from former LA Galaxy player, of course, Dave Romney, who scored a wonderful goal uh, and and played a good game on defense as well. There he is. There he is. There he is, uh, Mr. Dave Romney. So, you know. What what do you get for team of the week? You get a certificate? You get a free snow cone? Oh, I doubt you get anything. I I doubt you probably have to, like, go and screenshot the the picture that MLS puts up there so you can save it in your phone. So, you know, whenever you're 45 or 50 and you're out at the bar trying to pick up chicks, you can be like, I was on team of the week once. Wow, so, if you're 45 or 50 at a bar trying to pick up chicks, it, it's okay. You're a for, you're a for, you're a former professional athlete. It's okay. I, I'm sure I'm sure they're doing just fine. So, um, but you know that. So Sega Koulibaly was probably the best player on the field for the LA Galaxy in this game. I'll tell you who else was really good on defense. Julian Araujo was really good on defense, playing the defensive side. Let's get to the lineup, and, and we haven't even talked lineups, even though it's there. It's as you would expect it to be, which was Jonathan Bond and goal, uh, Raheem Edwards out on the side, Derek Williams, Sega Koulibaly, Julian Araujo, uh, Mark Delgado, Ryan Ravel. And here's interesting, though. Kevin Cabral was lined up on the right hand side, and this held for most of the game as well. Most of the time we've seen Kevin on the left side. Um, Greg put him on the right side. Uh, Efrain Alvarez and Douglas Costa sort of switched off in that center. Um, both were pedestrian at best. Uh, Efrain Alvarez had probably the worst game maybe I've ever seen him be in uh, in a Galaxy uniform. Uh, couldn't make simple passes, couldn't find and turn away from pressure dribbled into pressure, gave passes away. It was abysmal 
Um, and the fact is that Greg Vanny has trusted F. Ryan Alvarez with a lot in this LA Galaxy offense. Don't I, I don't want to hear the, oh, he just needs more time. He just needs more all this stuff. He has been in the center of this offense and playing now for most of this season and got a lot of minutes last season as well. He's been entrusted with creating and trying to find places. He's not capable of doing it. Um, flashes here every once in a while, Kevin, every once in a while, flashes. But how many years have we seen him has, you know, hit a wonder goal here or there, and then there's nothing in between? Um, I didn't think defensively he added much, although he did track back a couple times, which I think is part of the defensive effort. Um, but Efrain Alvarez was was atrocious in this game, uh, and well, that and that comes on a on the heels of a game where he wasn't good either, um, where he could have had a chance to tie the game, you know, in RSL um, and didn't do that. So uh, there's a lot of questions. He's going to get playing time because I don't think the Galaxy have. Uh, a lot of answers right there in, in creative land, um, not with Victor Vasquez still out. But as soon as Vasquez comes out, Alvarez hits the bench so fast, he might like want to make sure he wears a neck brace, don't want to get whiplash from being over there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. When you're going to a game in 95-degree heat, you're going to start the young guy because you can't start Sasha and, and weather like that. I mean, I suppose you could have gone with Grant Sear, but then you really don't have a weapon coming off the bench You know that can change things. When Vasquez comes back, he changes all that. But you, we were also talking earlier today about Douglas Costa, and it, it's Efrain Alvarez is in a different position. A young guy, you you know, you see a, a high ceiling. You expect a lot of things from him. In a sense, when he doesn't deliver, it's kind of like well, experience. You know, the talents there. You see the talent. I don't know what Costa's problem is, but but uh, and, he, and Gre- he, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and Greg Greg went out of his way, really trying to defend him and continue to say he's still getting to know the system oh, and all that. He well, he did, but he didn't. Did you hear his veiled sort of dig at him, which was the lead up to that quote? I actually pulled this because I was like, this is interesting because I think this is the first time Greg took any sort of swipe at Costa. Um, and I just want to, it was an Alex question cause Alex was talking about uh, the thing. Um, here it is. Uh, here, here was the question talking about Cabral, talking about Alvarez and talking about Costa. So Greg starts with Costa. I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think it's a little bit of a work in progress. I think Douglas getting kind of connected to the group and, you know, sometimes <clears throat> in the world, I think that Douglas comes from, he's not used to having, having to grind through games, which is sometimes what happens in MLS. You know, you just have to do the work and you have to grind because it's not a beautiful game every single game. And, uh, that's, that's a little bit of it. So, so he's not used to having to grind through games, which means he's not used to having to work hard, uh, yeah, in an, in an ugly game. Right. I mean, he's, he's- He's a diva. And, and <laughs> I don't know if you were speaking off the record earlier today, but the the word bust came up. Possible oh. bust. That this guy could be a bust. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so here's here's where I get with Costa, right? And this is where you can like look at Costa, Cabral, and Alvarez. Let's let's look at all of them together in this one bubble and sort of say what it is. Cabral, young, still has a high ceiling, right? You could you know there's a high ceiling there. I don't know if he's ever gonna get there, but you can at least envision what the ceiling is. He had a great pass to Chicharito in this game, and Chicharito should have buried it. The ball skipped a little bit um, in the 47th minute. So I think that's probably what threw Chicha off a little bit. It's one of those that you would expect Chicharito from, you know, four feet away from the goal line to score nine times out of 10, maybe 98 times out of 100. um, But he missed it. Uh, and it was a great pass, and Cabral did a lot of really good defensive stuff, a lot of a lot of good running. So again, and that's the thing about Cabral; he works his butt off. He may not score, he may he may baffle you and and infuriate <laughs> you, but he works. He does not take 
a, a minute off. I, I think we're gonna, you're going to talk about Efrain and, and Costa. I think they're the other side. It's like you'd like to kind of light a fire under them every once in a while. Well, Efrain is like, okay, where's the ceiling for him? Because I feel like we're seeing it. I feel like the ceiling isn't high there. I feel like we're like, okay, it's right here. You can see it. It's right in front of him. All he needs to do is to really execute these things, and that will be his ceiling. Is he going to be the world's greatest player ever? No, he's not going to be. Um, you know, is he going to be reach the heights that maybe at some point people thought that they would with his magic left foot? Well, the fact is he has no right foot. So probably not, especially at the, uh, at the upper levels where he's very much a one-sided player. Um, and I, I think, you know, people will say in the chat room, you know, a one trick pony. So the ceiling for him is sort of low now it's right there. And if he can't hit that ceiling, then where's he going to go? And then Costa, the problem with Costa is his ceiling was like five years ago. <laughs> Right. That's where his ceiling is. And the bottom line is that he's on that downward slope. Now, I I, I've been waiting for him because I wanted to give him a chance to sort of get into shape, to find some rhythm, to be able to get his feet under him. And I don't see that Um, you're you're again, almost a third of the way through the season. I'm generally one of these people who actually likes to give people time, 15, 20 games in a season before I really say, okay, for sure. But the bottom line is the signs there. I mean, there was one play last night where Costa was isolated on the left-hand side and he was 1v1 against a, a, an Austin defender and he was like lining them up. And you're like, oh, here he goes. He's going to take him one-on-one. He sees his chance. He's going to do it. And he tried to do like one step over move and it looked like he almost broke his hip and he fell down and then that was it. The ball went the other direction because the Austin guy stole it. I mean, there was nothing there. Um, Costa continues to be on the chance creator's side of things, which is he creates a lot of chances in general, not in this game. Um but I mean, this goes back to everything that I think everybody was saying. You can't sit here and jump up and down and be like, I told you Costa was going to be bad. Whenever, whenever Kevin, whenever they were signing him, everybody, every Galaxy fan, everybody was saying, you know, this guy has had a lot of injuries. He's older. He's, you know, he might be done. And the Galaxy are out there spending possibly $5 million on him. And not only that, but it, when you look at what he is taking up in terms of designated player, just the spot. And what the LA Galaxy need right now, which is a creative force and how they could be using that creative force <laughs> in that designated player spot. That to me is a cost in itself. So um, I'm, I'll, well, I'll, I'll be patient with him, but I, I don't I, I I'm not seeing it. Well, let me give you a minute to, to cough up your lung over there and and uh, and, and say that, um, you know, I, I, I was agnostic on on Costa, too. And, and there's. Um, the Galaxy, and I was talking to Garth Langaway, who's the general manager at Seattle last year, about the way that he builds his team. And he went into a sort of a talk about the way it's different from, from the way other teams construct their rosters. He said that the, the, the fan base in Seattle is, is, is sort of nuanced. And if they go out and get a Raul Ruiz Diaz or, or someone like that or uh, Ladero, these are guys that are not big names but are very good players. And they come in and the fans accept them and the fans cheer for them and the fans look at what they do on the field. And Garth was talking about how uh, Garth was talking about how other teams, New York and LA, the two that he mentioned, they don't have that luxury. The fan base here is sort of starstruck, and so we've seen it over the years that the Galaxy have brought in players like Gio, like Gerard, and now Costa, players that didn't really fit in the offense, didn't really fit in the plan. He didn't he, really. He would fit. Add, he would fit. By the way, if he wasn't. And currently, well, if he wasn't 107 years old and, <laughs> and and limping on one leg, I mean, if he could get out of the wheelchair, uh, uh, on the positive side, he hasn't been hurt yet a little bit, just oh, once, missed yeah. one game. Mm-hmm. But but so you look at the way Seattle wins the Concacaf Champions League, constructing a team 
of really when you look at the Gerards and the and the Casas and those kind of people, sort of a of an anonymous team. Yeah, very good players, well known in Latin America, but maybe not so well known in MLS. That team is gelled and won. The Galaxy keep bringing in players that they feel like they need to bring in to market, to sell jerseys, uh, to do those kind of things. Uh, and I think Costa kind of fits. The, I think the Galaxy saw the star power. They saw the reputation. They saw the history, the, the European championships and all that brought him in. And he doesn't – it doesn't – it hasn't really worked. The, the Galaxy don't really seem to go find these anonymous players. Like like I think Christian Pavon was one. Yes, he was on a World Cup team mm-hmm. uh, from Argentina. Yes, he had a pedigree. But he wasn't a guy that that most you know general soccer fans would be able to identify. Turned out to be a great player. Those are the kind of players that I think Seattle gets. Um, the Galaxy had a couple of players like that. Remember Nigel De Jong? I know he was a big name, but was a guy that the Galaxy apparently the front office, the you know uh, AEG didn't feel like they could market around, and they wanted Bruce to get rid of him. That was a team that could have won an MLS Cup if he had stayed. Yet Gerard Dos Santos Costa, these are the yeah. guys that they want to bring yeah. in and market. Yeah, but I'll push back because they also got somebody like Kevin Cabral, right? Which is what, which is the not a yes. name. Yes. It's a development, right? It's going. That's it's right. It's trying He's to develop. Exactly. Perfect example, I think, what they should be doing and what the league is doing in general. I don't know if they can get any more Kevin Cabral's without me going completely insane watching him try to finish goals. Um, I just, I, I, he has a five year deal. He has a five year deal because I think someone anticipated that it might take him five years to. <laughs> he's yeah, going to be really good the second half of that fifth year. That's that's when he's going to break out. You contract, know? Yeah, that's the contract push right there. Um, you know, and and the other part about this is too is that. Um, you know, you look at, so, so basically you get those three guys, there's zero, there's zero goals out of them. There's zero really creative chances. And by the way, Chicharito was, you know, more or less isolated in this game just because they weren't creating. Now, Greg did bring up a good point whenever we were talking to him after the game. And that was that, you know, he was saying that, you know, the reason those guys weren't as involved is because it was messy coming from uh, Delgado and Revelison and and sort of the breakout and how they were developing those attacks and how they're bringing those attacks forward, Kevin. Um, was not cohesive. It was not quick. Um, and so it, it didn't allow those guys to be set up for success. And maybe that's some of it. I think Austin did a good job of muddying things up in the middle. I think they did a good job of pressing. They forced Jonathan Bond, who I think didn't have a great game, uh, but made the saves he was supposed to say uh, supposed to do. Listen, you don't need Jonathan Bond to be a superhero every game whenever you're only making him save, you know, two shots, right? And you pointed that out before, Kevin. So um, I think he, you know, overall he's fine, but I was not thrilled with his distribution. And, uh, you know, I, I brought that up to him after the game and he was sort of saying, yeah, you know, we were getting pressured a lot. Um, and whenever we get pressured, it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, you, things can go bad. Listen, the Galaxy are con- are convinced that they need to play out of the back. So if they want if they're saying that they have to play out of the back, Kevin, then you have to sort of take these lumps sometimes where it, good teams put good pressure and the Galaxy end up getting tra- trapped in some of these. And you saw with Jonathan Bond sort of uh, giving the ball away a couple of times in there. You know, uh, Delgado gave the ball a couple of, way, a couple of times. Efrain Alvarez gave away. I think he handed Austin his wallet at some point. Um, he was just, there was just, there was not a lot there. Now, having said that, if I told you that there weren't a lot of great players on the field for the LA Galaxy in this game, which I don't think Chicharito played well, Costa, Alvarez, Cabral. Cabral probably played the best out of those four, which is 
somewhat surprising. And his cross, like I said, to Chicho was pretty much there. Um, Ravellison was okay, had a good shot. Delgado was maybe the best out of the two defensive midfielders, but there were some giveaways there, and he scored a goal, so you give him that. Uh, the defense was lights out. Raheem Edwards was pretty good, although I think he's running out of gas. And so whenever you saw Raheem Edwards come off and chase Gasper go in, that was something that you were sort of like, aha, Greg said this was possibly something that was going to happen, and now it has. And so they get they get Gasper in, you know, first first minutes right off the bat, which is huge. Um, and the LA Galaxy are winning. They bring in Jovalich in the last you know eight minutes or so there was about five minutes left in the game gets a shot takes a shot right after he comes in Uh, yeah from from midfield um which almost went in by the way it was great it was a great look um and by the way if if i think if grant sir finds jovalich on either of the two plays that grant sir missed um which and and grant sir doesn't get enough flack by the way for missing and fluffing chances grant sir needs to score some goals uh, we've talked about this. He's almost as frustrating as Cabral is, which is he gets in his position and then can't finish. But if he squares either of the chances I think he had, I think I think Jovalich was trailing both of those. And Jovalich is just sitting there with his hands on his head like I was open both times. Um, then the Galaxy win this game three or four to nothing. I mean, put all the really good chances the Galaxy had. They had four really good chances. Um, one of those we'll say is Delgado's and then the other three um, are sort of there. You know, here's the thing when we look at all of the expected goals and everything like that, that, that you want to, um, you know, sort of put into in, into this, this, uh, this outlook, which is the LA galaxy finished with about 1.1 expected goals, um, to Austin's 1.2, the galaxy scored one goal. We talk constantly about overperforming expected goals, which means that you're getting lucky. That's not what happened in this game. Uh, yes, Austin had a higher expected goals, but when you look at their shot selection, Greg Vanny said it afterwards, he said, I'll, I would rather have our chances over 90 minutes than their chances any day, which was the galaxy created the better of the chances. They did not finish. Um, but just the way XG is sort of, you know, calculated and that types of things, it gives the slight edge to Austin. But overall, I would, I think I'd agree with Greg. The galaxy created some really good chances. Well, you know, you talked about Chicharito being isolated and I'm going to go back to a point I keep making because I really believe in this point. And I was talking to another MLS defender who has played a Western conference player, played against the Galaxy for two teams in the Western Conference, against Chicharito for two teams in the Western Conference. And he talked about this year's team sort of, you know, looking back at at the Galaxy in the last couple of years and said that opposing defenses look at this Galaxy team and say Chicharito is the only guy we need to worry about. And, And again, we've talked about this. He's the only guy we need to worry about. We're going to mark him with 10 people. And if, you know, is Grant Steer going to beat us? Nope. Not the way he's playing right now. Is Cabral going to beat us? Nope. Do we have to worry about Costa? Nope. We're just going to worry about Chicharito. And so when it's like you talked about when a quarterback throws an interception and you say that was a bad pass, well, maybe the receiver ran the wrong route. And so maybe Chicharito isn't isolated by his team. Maybe other teams are taking him out of the out of the game. And until somebody else steps up and shows that they can be a force, maybe Marky Delgado does that. Maybe this changes them a little bit. It's the same thing talking about with Raheem Edwards. He's not the Raheem Edwards he was in the first four or five games. Why? Because other teams have adjusted to him. Um the Galaxy, I don't think, with their offense, I don't think they've stepped up and said, we're going to, we see what other teams are doing. We're going to adjust accordingly. Either they haven't done it or they can't do it because until somebody else starts to score, again, it's, you know, Chicharito is going to draw a crowd. How many goals does Chicharito have? In the last four games, zero. No, I asked total. How many does he have? He has five. Well, yeah, well, it, it, yeah, it starts okay. the season out and people see that adjust to him and mm-hmm. the, the galaxy have scored. They, one they adjusted, goal. they adjusted to him. They weren't worried about him in the first game. I'm again, I'm just, he's Chicharito. The galaxy, have scored one, the galaxy have scored one goal in their last three games. That, okay. That's fine. 
uh, how many goals have the LA Galaxy? They, they've scored 11 goals. So, and you, there's one own goal in there. So the LA Galaxy team Chicharito scored half the team, half, half the of the team's team goals, goals, which means the team. And I think they're all, there's five different players who have scored, have scored. I, again, we always want to make the same argument. You act like nobody else is scoring. If nobody else scored, then the LA Galaxy didn't win the game against Austin. If nobody else scores, you know, then the get, then the Galaxy don't win the game against Nashville. Um, so you're saying that the, the high end, the, when this offense is going 100%, they're scoring a goal a game. Well, I think they're better than that. Clearly, and I think they're scoring more. What one is that? Yeah, right around, right about now, and how they're playing, they're a goal a game. Hopefully, fingers crossed um, with everything going. They, they, again, Victor Vasquez comes into this, and you can get your two and three goals. Uh, you can have it back. And by the way, Chicharito will be scoring those goals. It'll be crazy. And you know what? The other team will have been trying to mark him the whole time. They've really, they really, they're going to, they're going to really buckle down though. Dallas, I heard Dallas came out and said, you know what? We're really going to mark Chicharito this time. The, the whole thing is, Kevin, even if you said that you, we're, get a, you get a yellow card for all of that and it's about <laughs> to become a straight red. So don't mess around. The, the, uh, the thing is, is that whenever you look at, 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 at even let's say you wanted to really take Chicharito out of this so you can bracket him. How many players can you put on Chicharito at one time? Three. Two or, two or three, probably. Yeah, three. Usually it's one on either side and one in front, right? So that way you can sort of bracket him. And even then he finds little half spaces to sort of be there and do stuff. You can do that. Well, he's a great player. He's mm -hmm. going to do that. He's a great player. But, but what if you have only two players on him or maybe only one because Grant Sear and Costa and Cabral are dangerous all of a sudden. And so you have to, you have to, you have to take them into account. What I, could Chicharito do playing against one defender? I am not going to pretend like that's not like having more goal scorers isn't a good thing. Cause duh, it is. That's like, you know, we're base level stuff here. Yes. Having more goal scorers is, I'm just saying that if you get Chicharito the chances and listen outside of what he did, whenever Cabral gave him, I, you know, maybe he was so shocked. Maybe his heart stopped whenever he realized Cabral actually played him a good ball. Um, because nobody else, everybody else and watching that game was convinced that Cabral would trip over his feet, kick that ball into the Q2 roof somewhere uh, and not get that ball across. Maybe Chicharito was so shocked that he like he his heart stopped. He sneezed. He closed his eyes and he coughed at that time. And that's why he missed the sitter that he had. Um, but I also think that he's he looks tired. We're talking about a guy who has 90 minutes almost every single game, you know, got 85. I, by the way, I was screaming at sort of on, on Twitter that this was the game for Vanny to like pull Chicharito with 10 minutes left and put Jovalich in. Um, well, he better not play Wednesday. He better <laughs> not play Wednesday. <laughs> oh my God. Um, if you can't beat wrong. the Cal Strikers without Chicharito. You're, you're not wrong. I mean, you're not you wrong. Shouldn't, you, you shouldn't beat them. Um, I, I wanted to, again, just on the expected goals, 1.2 for Austin, 1.1 for the LA Galaxy. Um, the, the top leader in expected goals was Chicharito with that 0.6, and basically that was his one chance that he missed. Um, he had in there, and we can sort of hide I would like that. to see him, if he could ever, from that angle, at that close to the goal, I think it would be impossible for him to more than once put that ball that high over the... It was an amazing shot. You couldn't have missed the goal by that much from that close, ever. I mean, it was, I mean, yeah, you can, it's, it's a bouncing ball. Anytime the ball is bouncing again, anytime the ball is bouncing, whether it's skipped, whether it's skidded, who knows how exactly it bounced, but if it comes up as high as it did and it bounces off your shin like that, then yeah. Um, it, you know, he can, I bet he, I bet you he could miss it from there again. Why don't you, why don't you wait till against Dallas and see if he can do it? Cause I just, I just have this inkling that he's in just a little bit of a rut. Uh, you can start to feel it, but that he's also not getting a lot of service. So again, if, if Vasquez can come back for, for Dallas and start to play again, then there's something there. If not, the galaxy have a problem. Um, the team is set as it is. 
uh, right now, but they need somebody creative in there to start finding these passes. And um, it's not going to be F. Ryan Alvarez. Uh, it might be Douglas Costa, but even at this point, I'm, I'm, that's more of a Hail Mary than anything so else. Chief Torito's in a rut. Do you think he should work his way out of that Wednesday against the Cal Strikers? <laughs> that's Maybe get in a little uh, friendly little venue like like the Great Park of Irvine of yeah. Orange County. He'll be able to work yeah. things out. He'll 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 feel yeah. I, I mean, I think he's going to get the start. Obviously, it's the day it's the day on show for for that. Um, somebody in the in. By the way, anyone going to that game? If you haven't been to that stadium, oh my god, it's, it's so much fun. Oh, Wonderful venue. Yeah, really good. By the way, I think Alex is in our chat room. I believe it's Alex's birthday today. If Facebook is is a correct assumption of that, Alex, if I'm correct, if I'm wrong, if if it's not your birthday, but you are going to have a birthday sometime this year, then just take the birthday, the celebration. Just say thank you and and move on. Don't don't make me free, look like an, free, yeah. free breakfast at Denny's. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So anyway, so I, I mean, we look at this whole game and and. I really like to sort of see where all the touches come from and all this thing. So um, you want to see how defensive this game was? Top touches, Mark Delgado, 66. Top touches, Jonathan Bond, 60. Remember, Jonathan said he was in, he had a lot of distribution in this. He did. Uh, Julian Araujo, 59. Raheem Edwards, 54. Again, all defenders. Uh, Derek Williams, 50. Then into the midfield with Ravellison, 36. And Koulibaly with 34. And Chicharito with 26. I mean... Listen, usually Chicharito is a lot further down this list. With 26 touches, that's actually a, a fair amount. But with guys who are supposed to be your playmakers, Efrain Alvarez, 23. Douglas Costa, 18. Uh, Grand Sear came in as a sub in the second half and got 17 touches. Uh, and Douglas Costa played, you know, the 60 minutes or, or whatever he ended, 65 minutes, I think. Um, hey, and Cabral, 23. How come Mark? How come Delgado is Marco now? He went from Marky to Mark, and now he's I think Marco. It, I think officially his name is Marco. Although I don't know, they could very. If you if you're looking up, we we talked about Douglas Costa and how you use a hyperlink. Like whenever you're typing in Douglas Costa's name, it's um, mlssoccer.com forward slash players forward slash Douglas D O U G L A S dash and his last name. Except it's not his last name; it's C O S T. It's Cost. They forgot to put the A, so it's Douglas Cost. A lot of money. Um, that's the joke. Um, and so he, that's him. So if you look at Mark Delgado's, it's Marky, M-A-R-K-Y dash Delgado um, on the MLS as, soccer. As well, so, it should be. And as, no, by the way, as well, it should not be. Don't call somebody something they don't want to be <laughs> called, Kevin. Well, go back to Marco's touches. Isn't that what you've been talking about all year, that the everything goes through him and he's the quarterback, he's the guy at the top of the of the triangle that you want getting all those touches. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, yes. the Jonathan Bond touches may be a little high. I know you want to play out of the back, but still maybe a 60 touches for your goalkeeper might be a little high. But Delgado, I think that's kind of where he wants to be. He wants to be at the top of that list. He does. He does. Um, and again, he's saying how Greg usually likes to play him as an eight, and now he's playing more of a six. And hold it, it was really interesting. Just I always like talking to guys and sort of getting off the thing. The, the best was uh, whenever Jonathan Bond was getting ready to come in, uh, Kevin Acevedo, who's PR for the LA Galaxy, comes on. And just before uh, Jonathan Bond comes in, Kevin pokes his head in and he goes, uh, just a reminder, this is uh, Jonathan Bond's uh, fifth shutout of the year. And that ties him for the most shutouts in Major League Soccer for this year. And and so Jonathan sat down and I said, I said, hey, Jonathan, congratulations on the win. I, I go, does Kevin do that to, into every room that you walk into? He goes, no. He goes, I'm going to start having him do it. It's a, it's a good idea. Every, every room that Bond goes in, somebody should announce how many shutouts he has. Uh, he goes into his bedroom. Somebody should pop in. Uh, five uh, five shutouts for Jonathan Bond ties him for the for the top, and he has nine career shutouts. I, I believe is that correct? Nine yeah, career he had, shutouts. He had four he last year. Seventh, seventh on the all time Galaxy list, tied with Matt Reese. Hey Cam, uh, in our Discord, came up with this stat, and it's a wonderful stat. 
Uh, the LA Galaxy had five shutouts total last year, Kevin. How many games did it take them to get to five shutouts last year? I think like 32. 30 is the answer. 30. It took them 30 games to get to five shutouts last year, and they have five shutouts in the first 10 games. 50% of the games the LA Galaxy have played so far this year have been shutouts on defense. I can't even fathom the change that that is. Right now, the LA Galaxy are averaging like 24.3 or 23.8 goals against over a 34-game season right now this season. So... Again, 54 goals last year, 23.8 right now as it stands. I'm not saying it's going to stay there, but the Galaxy have not played easy schedules. They've not so played it, low-powered offenses. So half the half the games have ended in shutouts. What's the? Are you taking the over or the under on 17 shutouts? <laughs> under. I'll okay. take the under on that one, no problem. Um, that's fine. Um, but but I just thought it was uh, it was really interesting. The other thing is that the LA Galaxy right now um, have had 18 possible road points, Kevin, and they've won 10 of those road points. So they've won 55% of their points on the road. That's a very high mark. Um, as a matter of fact, the LA Galaxy right now through these uh, through these six uh, yeah six games that they've had on the road so far. Um, they have had, uh, they've averaged 1.21, excuse me, they've averaged 1.67 points per game in those uh, six road games. Their average over their lifespan is 1.21, all right? So that's much higher than their overall average. I'm not saying it doesn't all equal itself out, a lot of games coming up, that type of thing, but that's that's something to pay attention to in, in well, my land. Put up that little graphic of the San Diego downtown skyline. There you go. <clears throat> I was waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> LA Galaxy with 19 points. Remember, they had 21 points through this same span last year. So 21 points through 10 games last year. Um, this is their ninth best start in, in, in league history or, or in uh, club history. Uh, had 26 points in 2010. Um, 22 points in 2019. I mean, it's not unusual for the LA Galaxy to sort of come out, and especially recently, to come out and actually have a pretty good start. Um, we're just not seeing, you know, overall the the. Hopefully, you're not seeing the beginning of the end. Do you know when the LA Galaxy really started to lose it last year? Because I went through and was looking at shutouts and games and wins and all that stuff, and remember the Galaxy went through a horrible. Um, yeah, it started like in mid-August, early August. Yeah, so it was game 20 is really whenever it starts, right? So you're talking about being basically two-thirds of the way through the season, thinking you know which Galaxy team you're getting, um, and then not getting that Galaxy game down, that Galaxy team down the stretch. Right around game 20 is when it, so 14 games left in the season, the LA Galaxy fell off a cliff there. Uh, there was a large winless streak in there um, last year. Again, all things you're looking at, <laughs> if there's injuries, um, you know, if there's things, this is where you can see things turn around. The thing that I think should comfort Galaxy fans is that last year, the LA Galaxy were reliant on their offense to keep them in games and win them games. And this year they're reliant on a defense, which is actually fairly deep. Whenever you look at that, especially adding Chase Gasper in there now, Edwards, Leardam, Araujo, uh, you know, Zavaleta, Depew, Williams, Koulibaly. I feel relatively good right now. And listen, short sort of window on Gasper so far. But I feel relatively good right now that if anybody gets injured in that back line, the LA Galaxy can tread water with whoever they're going to bring in after that. It may not be as perfect, but I think they have a real chance at at sustaining this defensive pressure throughout the year. Well, and I think, but I, I do think, I knew you wanted to talk about this, so this will be your segue, but I, I do think losing Sueño is kind of a, I, it's not a big blow because obviously he hadn't played yet this year and he didn't play, he missed most of last, or much of last year, but 
that was a guy that would have given you some veteran depth and some experience and some sort of moxie on the outside and, and with him out for the season. Um, it, it's a blow they can overcome. They got Gaspar now, I know. But still, I thought I, I thought Viafania was a pretty good player. Uh, Greg Vanny, I did ask him because they did put uh, Jorge Viafania on the season-ending injury list. Um, and I, I would let you listen to Greg, but honestly, Greg goes on for about four minutes talking about uh, Viafania. Here's the here's the the bullet points that you need to know is that Viafania had a cartilage issue. They went in with a very the least invasive surgery they could to try and fix that issue. Remember, it was a bone bruise um, on the knee, and so they went in to try to repair the cartilage. Basically, they did it. After he's come back and after he's been accelerating and trying to get into things, basically they realized that it wasn't getting better. Um, so the Galaxy monitoring Viafania and then also monitoring other things around went out and got Chase Gasper. They placed Jorge Viafania on the season ending injury list. The only thing I haven't been able to ask Greg and didn't get a chance to in this particular um, setting, although uh, it's it's high on my list, is how the LA Galaxy use that season-ending injury list. Usually it gets a roster spot back or you can get salary cap relief in some ways. It doesn't look like the Galaxy went to try to get salary cap relief. What they did get, however, was the roster spot back. Um, and so the Galaxy had a roster spot to be able to sign Gasper to begin with because they were at 29. So he was the 30th. But technically now with Viafania on the on the SEI, the season ending injury list, they get basically that that roster spot back. So now they have another roster spot that they can fill should they need to. And I imagine that they're going to need to. So um, really, really disappointing. I, I, I don't remember what he was making last year, but I know it was uh, he renegotiated his contract when he came down. It wasn't the money he was making in Portland. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it was a little bit. He, he wasn't cheap either. Um, um, I could actually look it up if if we if we get a chance, or uh, we could have the chat room look it up for us as well. Um, yes, well, that, those, those, those guys have kind of become your, your my, my crutch, my crutch, my crutch. Yes, yeah. Uh, Alex says yes, it is his birthday, by the way. So I was correct. See, face Free breakfast at Denny's. <laughs> Alex, hurry up! You know, you. if you go to Denny's and then go to IHOP for lunch, you can you can. T- Double dip. He's already he's already late. He's he's it's eight forty five uh, on a on a Monday. He's he's got to hurry up. So um, anyway, I think those are the stats that I sort of wanted to get through. Um, if you wanted to be angry, I, I always am here for angriness um, because I enjoy that. Um, right now, if you're looking at the cost of the designated players per game, uh, it's basically with the amount of games you played. So basically, how this works is the amount of games you're played divided by your salary, right? So at the end of the season, it makes sense. But if Chicharito, you know, decided to retire tomorrow, he's played 10 games. You're going to pay him $600,000 per game because he makes $6 million, right? That type of thing. So uh, per game costs right now, Chicharito at 600000 Douglas Costa at 555000 uh, and Kevin Cabral at $144,000. Uh, the cost per goal right now, Chicharito is costing you $352,941 per goal. Uh, <laughs> you have Douglas Costa who costs you right now $1.323 million per goal. And Kevin Cabral needs a score goal in order for my formula to actually work. So that doesn't work there. Uh, the cost per minute, Javier Hernandez has earned $2,012 per minute. Uh, Douglas Costa has earned $2,535 per minute. And Kevin Cabral has earned $758 per minute, just in case you want. Again, you wanted to get angry or, or something. $758 a minute? Yeah, roughly. Based. That's that's on salary, by the way. That doesn't include like um, you know transfer fees or anything else like that. Uh, five games, actually six games coming up in May. Obviously, with the Open Cup, there's possibility of another Open Cup game in May as well. Uh, which oh, I wanted to ask yes. you, if do we know? I'm, I'm sure we know. Um, I don't know. Maybe you do. If LAFC no. beats Portland, do they play each other? Redraw. Redraw. Why is that? Because they always redraw. Okay. So, so it's this, not just it's just not a formula to to avoid. 
it's uh, to try to push back the El Tráfico and the U.S. Open Cup as long as possible. It's, it's basically they would have done this if Portland were playing Seattle or someone else. Right, right, exactly. So okay. basically, there's a chance they could play each other in the redraw. Um, they'll again take them sort of. This is it. This is the last draw. Um, so they'll do a draw after this one, and then you'll find out if the Galaxy win, um, who they will play, uh, and then it could be LAFC. They just have to pick them in the draw, um, that type of thing. But they they go and they're still. I think. I think they're still geographically based, um, though a little more loosely. So it'll be like the West Coast will probably get all put into one hat and you sort of draw it from that. Um, but they also draw for the next round and the round after that. So then the table gets set, basically. And so you know what the bracket is. So this after this next game, if the Galaxy advance past Cal United Strikers, there will be a bracket and you will see, be able to see, oh, the winner of this game will play this game, that type of thing. And you can do that for the rest of the tournament. Do you want them to play? Do you want El Trafico in the U.S. Open Cup? I personally do not. Yep. Not right now. Yeah. Maybe in the final. Uh, you four, want one? Four, four, hold on. I, I need to get back to this. $450,000 for um for uh, Sueño, for, for Jorge Villafania. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Still, still sizable. Posi- yeah, sizable. Yeah, a little um, more than I thought. Yeah. But I, I don't want to see an El Trafico in the U.S. Open Cup. Not now. Maybe in the final. Maybe in a couple of years. But right now, the rivalry is starting to pick up a little bit again. And and I just is feel it, like in the U.S. Is, is it, has, has LAFC won it recently? Like it's, no, no. Oh. I, I just, I just thought the last game at the Diggity was it was, was a good game. Good. Well, I mean, they, and, they have always usually been pretty good games. There's been very few boring games between them. Yeah, but in the COVID era, when there was no fans there, yes, and you know, uh, it, it just didn't feel the same. It felt kind of almost like a practice game. But uh, it, the intensity's come back now that the fans are back and it's you know capacity stadium. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get it. I know people will argue the other way that no, anytime you play anything, it means something, but you're correct. No, they don't need to play each other. Um, they, they outdid it during COVID times whenever they played each other five times in one season. I never need to see that yeah. again. Uh, that's for sure. But if it is, uh, it is. And so we'll sort of see, uh, see where that is. But, uh, speaking of the game, just wanted to give everybody a heads up on, uh, on this particular one. Uh, it is Cal United strikers versus LA galaxy. Cal United strikers, um, are the home team in this one. They're playing at championship stadium in Irvine, California. That's at that great park, uh, 7 30 PM, 7 30 kickoff right around that time. It, it'll probably be a little bit after that, but it is going to be fairly close. Uh, that being said, whenever I talked to, uh, Joe over at Cal United strikers, uh, a week and a half or two weeks ago or whenever that was um he wanted me to remind everybody that galaxy fans should be on those east side stands so try to come into the stadium on the east side uh parking is free you want to park in lot four if you're an la galaxy fan this is going to help them spread that out um again you should already have your tickets if, you, if you're trying to get tickets those were just twenty dollars um this the, I, I just again want to preface the biggest crowd they've had kevin is sort of like pushing two thousand and they're going to have a full sellout of five thousand for this game it's actually a little less than 5,000, but so be patient. They're not used to this many people. All right. I know just in dealing with them that they, they are trying their absolute best, but, but, but be nice to their fans. Be nice to the people working there, please. And, and I'm, I'm not expecting that there's going to be any problems. I'm just saying this is a lot. It's not going to be orderly. I have a feeling it's going to be a little chaotic uh, just trying to get this many people and have them and their operations crew be ready for this many people. Um, and so you're going to, you're going to need some patience and that's fine. Everybody will do it. So, well, good, good for them. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're excited about this. They're fired up. They're really looking forward to it. I think they're a little bit scared, not the players. I'm talking about the administration. stuff. <laughs> I would concerned. be, <laughs> uh, but you know what? This is, this is why I, I think I brought up that whole thing with LAFC. They play Portland again. I think it's the third time they played Portland LAFC in the U S open cup. 
these are the games, you know, the Galaxy playing the Loyal, this game here. These are in, in, the, in the small stadium, in the away stadium, the Galaxy, the five-time MLS champs, going to play uh, the California you know, strikers in their stadium. This is what the U.S. Open Cup is supposed to be about. And the Galaxy is supposed to win. If they don't win, if California United uh, wins, that's awesome. That's what this thing is all about. That's what this tournament is all about. And um, it's fun. And the pressure definitely is on the Galaxy. Um, but it's the opportunity. I mean, it's, the, it's sort of the, the, the whole, you know, uh, tilting at – Windmills. This is the chance for a small team to to take the scalp of a big club, and 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 you know it'll be something that those players will always remember. Yeah, it'll it, it should be a lot of fun. Night. I'm looking forward to it. Also, I'm looking forward to that commute, which is just about ten or twelve minutes down the road for me. Yes, uh, finally, don't have to drive. I, I really remember far. talking to to a player in England who was talking about playing in the FA Cup, which is obviously the same thing as U.S. Open Cup, and they were playing. Uh, I think they're playing Liverpool. And he he was uh, turned to one of the Liverpool defenders, you know, and, and late in the game. And it was like, isn't this great? You know, we're playing here at Anfield. And the Liverpool player turned him and said, F you. We don't need this game in the middle of our season. <laughs> but that's what it's all about. It's for the little guys. This is great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for this game. Again, I, I thought the only thing missing from that San Diego game would have been for the LA Galaxy to play in San Diego. And so I, Absolutely. I very much like this, uh, the LA Galaxy going to this 5,000-seat stadium in Orange County. Uh, very much, you know, lower league, lower, lower league feeling. It's going to be a lot of fun. So enjoy yourselves out there. We'll see you on Wednesday, May 11th. Uh, the other thing that's coming up, obviously, is with FC Dallas on this weekend. The Galaxy are hosting uh, 90s night. Um, this They have a, a 90s warm-up that they're going to be having. Uh, let's see, their community kit collection available, 96 Till Forever sweatshirt and hometown clothing, limited edition LA Originals tee, and they put out a video, Kevin, and this video is something that I have been asking about for so many years. So many years, Kevin. I've been asking where this person, where this particular character has been. And today in the video, we finally got a tiniest view of the man himself, Mr. Twizzle. Um, I've been told, by the way, I actually went and looked for, or, or I, I inquired about maybe three or four or five years ago about where the Twizzle costume was. And I was told that it was in storage and that they did have it. Uh, I offered to wear that. Um, to, to bring Twizzle back because Twizzle was around, I think maybe only for one year or two years. Um, it's certainly in the earlier part of the, uh, of the LA galaxy lore and the Rose bowl and all that fun stuff. I never got to witness Twizzle, but I know about Twizzle. Uh, Twizzle is the, the spaceman, like almost like a Buzz Lightyear. It looks like the, if you're a toy story person, uh, like the emperor Zerg, right? I think is the, is the evil guy to the, to the toy story part of that. That's what, that's what he reminds me of. So, well, did you, sh- what about the the, the uh, Cosmo, the oh, evolution? Of Cosmo? Did you want to see the evolution of Cosmo? I did pull up the evolution yeah. of Cosmo. We have lime green Cosmo, um, which went along with the lime green um, LA Galaxy, or not lime green, but at least the green hints in the jersey. <laughs> so there's lime green Cosmo. Then there was like electric blue Cosmo. Um, both of these have a little bit more of a fish face to me than than really they probably should. It kind of looks like they're underwater Cosmo a, a little bit, um, and then. Uh, and then you have uh, the, new, the 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 more bulked up Cosmo, like he he hits some uh, some of that herbal life, and now is looking all all bulked. And but he's got a longer mouth than a chin now. So um, yeah, that's that's your evolutions of Cosmo. There's been a lot of Cos- Cosmos. <laughs> Somebody says it's Buzz Lightyear in a hazmat suit. His <laughs> Twizzle. <laughs> that's good, Patrick. That's very good. That made me chuckle. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
You know, the, the Galaxy have, I think, a dozen players, at least 10, that weren't even alive in the 90s. So on 90s night, it's going to have to be explained to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're, back in the day, we used to. Uh, yeah. Right. I, I, in the 90s aren't exactly uh, an era that I would like to, I think, maybe relive. I was going through high school. I graduated in 99, so I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure I want to go back there. So you can wear your uh, your cargo pants and your members only jacket. I don't. Was that the nineties? I, I wasn't that like more the eighties. Yeah, it was like the late eighties or, or something like that. So anyway, uh, Twizzle will be out there, so it should be a good time. So that's coming up this weekend. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. But I just sort of wanted to put everybody in there. I mean, here's the thing, Kevin. Uh, we go and we look at this the the LA Galaxy and the standings and and sort of where they're at. And you look at the Eastern Conference, which is interesting to me. Okay, Philadelphia, New York, Montreal, Orlando, nineteen points, eighteen points, seventeen points, seventeen points. Let's just go to the to the Supporters Shield for a second. There are four Western Conference teams at the top of the Supporters Shield. LAFC, Austin, LA, and Dallas, and then Philadelphia. The best team in the East has less points right now, uh, are basically, what is it? Is it on goal differential? I can't even, uh, or maybe it's goals against that is the tiebreaker, because the Galaxy certainly seem to be leading that. No, I believe it's goal differential. Yeah, so... But but for the playoffs, maybe it's for the playoffs. It's wins. Total yeah, wins. I, I don't know how exactly they're doing this, but they have the Galaxy in third, um, then Dallas, and then Philadelphia, and they're basically all tied on 19 points there. But the Galaxy are ahead, so the Galaxy just played their the team that was above them, Austin, and beat them. Now they're going to play the team that's below them, um, in Dallas. And so the, again, more tough games sort of coming up. And when we look at the schedule for the LA Galaxy as well, um, it's a it's a long list of games again. Uh, Cal United coming up on Wednesday, then on the 14th, it's LA Galaxy in Dallas, 7:30 p.m. That's going to be a good game on a Saturday night. Always a good one. Um, so that's that. That's local TV on that one. So Spectrum and LAGalaxy.com. Um, and then you're going to have the LA Galaxy traveling away to Minnesota, and then they're home uh, where they host Houston, and they're home where they host Austin. Um, again, so it, it's busy. And then you get into June, and June has that break in there, international break, that type of stuff um, that's going to allow the LA Galaxy. So the last game the Galaxy play is going to be against Austin. Uh, and then they get this about a two or a three week break um, to sort of go into this. And then uh, we can look at July and it just starts getting busy with July and August as well. So that's you sort know, of you were talking about the difference in the conferences. And you would know all this if you had read your L.A. Times over the weekend, because LAFC played Philadelphia, LAFC being the best team in the West right now, played Philadelphia, best team in the East. And so I took advantage of that matchup or I was just looking for an angle, I guess, and decided to look at that. Do you know that? um I, I asked Bruce Arena, who used to complain about the unbalanced schedule all the time, and that's what we have. We have a schedule where you play everybody in your conference twice. So if you're an Eastern Division team, if you're an Eastern Conference team, if you're Philadelphia, you get to play Cincinnati twice. You can play Inter-Miami twice. You play Charlotte twice. And then you play eight teams that are pulled out of a hat from the Western Conference. You may avoid Seattle. You may avoid Colorado. You may avoid LAFC or the Galaxy. Um, Get, if you're in the Western Conference, you play Seattle twice. You play Kansas City twice. You play LAFC twice. You play the Galaxy twice. Um, and, and so because of that, what, one of the things Bruce Arena said is the supporter shield, because of the unbalanced schedule, it doesn't even come close to determining who the best team is. What right. it, the only thing the supporter shield determines is who has the most points. So if you look at supporter shield, six of the last nine supporter shield teams have come from the East. Well, then you say theoretically, okay, well, maybe the team that wins the championship the MLS Cup, that's the best team. Eight of the last 13 have come from the West. Well, why is there this difference? So I looked at the schedules. I, I used LAFC because they were the one playing Philadelphia, but I think it's true from just about any team in the Western Conference. LAFC is going to travel 30,000 miles this year to play its, its road games in the conference, not 
out of conference. 30,000 miles for their in-conference in road games, they will go to altitude twice. So will the Galaxy. Go to Real Salt Lake and you go to Colorado. Oh, mm -hmm. If you're in the Eastern Conference, like Philadelphia, you're going to travel a total of 2,500 miles, 30,000 to 2,500 miles. The highest altitude you're ever going to go to is the top floor of your hotel. There is no altitude. <laughs> Uh, in the Western Conference, you play over three time zones because you have to go to Nashville and you have right. to go to Minnesota. Right. If you're in the East, you only leave the Eastern time zone one time. Well, twice, actually. You go to Chicago and then you go to play the teams. I think in Ohio might be in the, right. in, in the Cincinnati time zone Cincinnati, Columbus, well. yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it, it, it's... It's not even close. It's it's not a comparison at all. No, it should. There should be two supporter shields, one for each conference. If we really, if you really want to play that, having can I can I say something? Having said that, I actually think the Eastern Conference is a good good conference this year. There there aren't as many runovers. I mean, even Chicago, which is in 14th place right now, is not a not a team you can run over. Miami is not as bad as they have been. Toronto is getting better. New England is sort of one of those sleepers. You expect them to be good. DC is okay. Columbus is is okay sometimes. I mean, they're not a, a, a team that you can just run over. Charlotte, I don't know about yet. Atlanta seems tough. New York City is tough. Cincinnati is much improved under Pat Noonan and those guys. So they're not at least, they're not guys you can just run over. Orlando is okay. Montreal is a, looks like they're for real. Uh, New York, uh, Philadelphia. I mean, it's hard for me to see a team where you're just like, okay, let me let me see if they can run over. Meanwhile, Miami, Miami, Chicago, Miami and Chicago. Even that. I mean, the Galaxy had a horrible game against Chicago. It was really tough to play them. So you can't just run and, over. And the West, and the West does have a Cincinnati and Vancouver. But you know what? When this when when the two new teams come in, when it gets to thirty, which will be in a couple of seasons, when it gets to thirty, I would be in favor of them going to three divisions. Yeah. Um, I, I it, you could have a West and East and a, and a Central, Central, and then the travel would be. Better. Would be much more equal. Yeah, you just don't get as much as uh, as going over. So it, it just I do like seeing the out of conference games being played. I do like L.A. and you know New York Red Bulls or L.A. and New York City, except that you have to play at that stupid new Yankee Stadium field. It's like two yards you, you wide. Know, one of the things both coaches told me before that game, and again I have to apologize, I was that the angle was for the LAFC Philadelphia game, which is why I keep mentioning those two teams. But one of the things the coaches said is an in conference game is a six point game. You take three points and you do, you 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 take three points away or opportunity right. of three points from your. They said these games it's they it feel like it's almost it, it, it they just don't view it the same way. The coaches and some some of the players said they just I don't know if the Galaxy feels the same way. They don't view it the same way. It's not a six point swing. It's a three point swing. Right. It's a team that you don't see all that often. You know the way that schedule set up is you may not see a team in the other conference for three seasons. You may yep. see them once every seasons. Yep. Yep. Nope. I get it. Uh, and, and they're absolutely right. I get all that stuff. So, um, anyway, I think that's about it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Let's see. We got through that. Um, we got that, we got the season ending injury, uh, the 90 night, the nineties night we talked about. Um, yeah. And the post game. All right. Yeah. I think I'm good. Talked about Swango. Yep. We got it all covered. Um, yeah, that's sort of where we sit right now. Uh, interesting for this Wednesday game, just to see how Greg Vanny lines up. Uh, I would expect a B team. Um, and he knows it's a busy week this week. And I just, I, I feel like, especially after Austin and how tired those guys were, how humid it was, how hot it was. I know there were a lot of good Galaxy fans were out there and they were saying it was hot and humid. All those fun things. It was like 94 degrees at kickoff or something like that with some humidity. You know, I, yeah. I don't even think you put Chicharito and, and, and Costa on the bus. These are guys that have had soft tissue injuries. Those are things we know that are hurt from dehydration. They played in that heat. Don't, don't even chance it don't even put them on the bus if you lose to this team seven nothing 
you lose to the team seven nothing. Let let those guys go home, get some rest, sleep, yeah. go out to dinner, whatever they are. Don't don't even take them. Don't don't even take a chance. I, I would say that in, in this particular case, you might even bring up some G two guys. Uh, this seems like the time for that to because you don't want to rest. You don't want to risk anybody that that had to play. You know this weekend, knowing that you're going to have to play against a very stingy FC Dallas team. Um, listen, they're in fourth place. They have a stingy defense. They're they're not a team that you know you can sort of mess around on. We could possibly see a low block again, which has sort of been the LA Galaxy's Achilles heel again. We'll talk about that more on Thursday, but just just understand there's a lot riding on on this FC Dallas game, which again is the six-point game, Kevin, as you as you it rightfully is. pointed out. It's the start of a three-game week. It is. It is. So uh it's a it's a busy time. So anyway, that's where we're at. Uh anything else you want to talk about, or should we get out of here? Nope. Okay, good. I'm glad. Well, I think bring Landon back in. Thank you for being so uh, so quick on that. That was good. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com. That's where you can find all of Kevin's wonderful writings. Uh, please subscribe to his newsletter because uh, that's always fun and entertaining as well. So you're going to want to get over there and do that. latimes.com is where you can find it. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our Full media calls, all of our podcasts, any of the articles we write are all up there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the panda, Baxter, I'm Josh Patogesman. You've been listening, you've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.